The scripture for tonight comes from John chapter 17, verses 20 through 26. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. The word of the Lord. I tell you this just because of what you ask me. I mean, not, not to answer your question, which I agree contains a lot of vagaries. Not to answer, but just because, well, it's what I thought about when you asked me. I know, what does it mean that Jesus says that the Father is in him and that he is in you? And I mean, I see what you mean. God does give up something, I guess some of God's self, by becoming human, by being in Jesus, and that if Jesus then is in you, I guess God limits God's self even more, further weakens God's self. But I want you to listen, this is what I thought of, and it's, well, it's sometime, well, shortly before I retired, I think, I was probably in my 41st year as pastor of the first church of Garden Grove, and I found myself, as I have countless times, this was a, an, I think an Easter Sunday morning, yes, I found myself sitting Easter Sunday morning at my desk with a checklist in front of me, with less than an hour before the great service of the proclamation of the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, from the dead. Now, over the years, I've developed this checklist system out of necessity. Because whatever else the implications of the resurrection of God's Son from the grave, defeating the power of death for all time, might be theologically in in the lives of individuals, for me, this act always seems means a uh, certain amount of chaos. The Easter service is one, you know, with lots of extras, extra choirs, senior choirs, and youth choirs, and choirs from the New Life Treatment Center, all of varying skill and preparation levels. And then, of course, there are the lilies. The lilies are an elaborate, semi-capitalist ode involving the ladies' guilds selling them, selling lilies to families in the church from folding tables in the narthex from the first Sunday of Lent forward. These lilies arrive on Holy Saturday and 
are used to decorate the altar and the rest of the sanctuary, and then are distributed after the service to their rightful owners. There are always, of course, miscommunications and mishaps that would naturally occur in dealing with live flowers. Then the Easter brunch, tucked in between the Easter sunrise vigil and that service I was preparing for, which brings to a head a year's worth of repressed conflict between the Ladies' Guild and the Mary Martha's Church Kitchen Society, usually resulting in full-scale turf battles, hurt feelings, and burnt sausage. No, I know, but just listen, listen. This is what I thought of when you said that. I know. Well, just when you ask about God, weakening God's self, it's... Let me continue. So there's also the baptism preparations. At First Garden Grove, we do all our baptisms for the year on Easter. It's a nice tradition, but depending on what kind of year it was, I could baptize between 5 and 25 babies. And if there are some youth or adult baptisms, well, you can imagine, logistically, it can be quite challenging. So I developed my checklist system. This way, I can keep everything in order that needs doing. I can foresee any contingencies, predict snafus, remedy them. I follow it to a T. Everything is so everything's in order. And I like to joke to myself that Jesus can't rise from the dead until I've checked him off the list. (laughs) Now, without following my checklist, or if an unforeseen situation arrives, chaos quickly ensues, and I lose complete control of the situation, and I cannot guarantee the good order of the resurrection proceedings. So in this year, this time, in my Easter checklist routine, an unforeseen situation arrived in my office. His name was Will, and he was nine. I knew the child and did have an open-door policy, which is wiser on some Sundays than others, I looked up, acknowledged him, and went back to my checklist. Baptismal certificates filled out, check. Happy Easter, Will, I offered. Yeah, he said, you too. Extra coffee due to larger attendance, check. Um, Will said, yes. Um, Reverend, could you not call me Will? Why not? I, well, it's just not me, Did you kind of ever feel like what people did with your name didn't really go with you? Yes, I told him. Yeah, really? Yes, like reverend. Well, I won't call you that, okay? Thank you, and I won't call you Will. How about Billy? He shook his head. Willie. Okay. My true long name, he said, is, is William Henry. William Henry. So yeah, that's my real long name. Okay, William Henry, I said, thinking that I was projecting good humor and understanding appropriate to a nine-year-old, while my pen hovered over the checkbox for reinforced choir risers in place for the bass section. Okay, William Henry, we'll see you in the service. How about you, Pastor? Uh, I said, aching to check the next box. Uh, he's throwing my rhythm off here, this guy. I could call you pastor. No, actually, I guess I don't like that either. Sir? No. Bob? 
No. Bob, sir? No. Sir Bob? No. Um, maybe we could talk about this another time. No, yes, in the story. I know I'm not talking about it at all, but this is what... I, I guess, yes, I understand that if God is in Jesus and Jesus is in you, then God and Jesus is in you and they're in me. And yes, as you say, in many, many people, and I don't know if I would call that dissipation, God being dissipated or God's weakness or God's weakening God's self. I don't know. Yes, it's true. The more people God brings in, I guess the more... I don't listen to what I... Just let me finish my story. So maybe, uh, yeah, Will, let's talk about this another time, all right? How about preacher? Yeah, okay, I like that, preacher. Okay, now, William Henry, I have to get back to work. Preacher, I'm here to be your work. Getting the name straight was just for starts. I want to be baptized. My parents didn't get me baptized when I was a baby because we used to be Baptists, which doesn't make sense to me because it's called that, but they didn't. I want to be baptized. That's, that's great, William Henry. Uh, that's great. We'll talk about it after the service. Preacher, that's too late. You want to be baptized today? I'm thinking in like 35 minutes, it'll take me 20 minutes just to get through the rest of my checklist. You can't, Will. Yum, Henry. It's too late. Uh, you have to prepare. How can it be too late to be baptized when the baptizing hasn't even started yet? Well, you have to prepare. I am completely prepared to the gills, preacher. Your parents have to be... They said that if it's okay with you, it's okay with me. And my baby sister is getting baptized today. Yes, uh, but that's planned. Well, let's plan me. Well, we have prepared for her. Preacher, there's no way that she is more prepared than I am. Well, that's different. She's a baby, and I know lots of the Bible. I know lots of Bible stories from my class, and I even read some on my own. Oh, you are a good reader? Preacher, I'm nine. And some of my teachers, they even say that I'm um, precarious. Precarious, yes. I almost read the whole first part, and then I kind of skipped to the end, but it has a lot of good stuff in it, the whole first part. Okay, William Henry, um, what is some of your favorite stories, I guess, in the first part? I really like Exodus. Exodus, William Henry? Yeah, you know when they're building that big fancy tent for Jesus to live in? You mean the tabernacle. Yeah, and it's uh, for God to live in, not Jesus. Same thing. I'm just saying, okay, if you keep interrupting me, I'll never be able to finish this, and then I'll never be able to get to your question. Yes, I know. Uh, it does seem that if Jesus is in everyone, even, uh, even babies, that I guess he's just looking for the weakest link. Is that what you said? Or being the weakest link? This, listen, William Henry, I've got to finish, I told him. I've got to finish right now, or Easter is not going to go well. And you know that part at the end when they finally finish the tent and Jesus moves into it? Well, the Lord, you could say the Lord, it's not Jesus, but you could say the Lord moves in. Well, yeah, and then that's just like the resurrection. How is that like the resurrection? Well, did you ever notice how the Lord likes to move around? You know, the Lord goes, um, says, um, like, 
go here or go there, I'll meet you there, or follow my smoke or follow my fire. Or, you know, or even at the end of the book when the Lord tells the disciples to follow him, he's always walking somewhere. Well, yes, that's Jesus there. You said to say Lord. Well, you can say that, but in the New Testament, I mean, it's Jesus who gathers his disciples and says, follow me. Same thing. Okay, Jesus. When Jesus finally moves into the tent, the tabernacle, when Jesus finally moves in the tabernacle, he says, when you see the smoke in the tent, I'm in the tent. When you see fire in the tent, I'm in the tent. But a lot of times, I'm not going to be in the tent. I'm going places. So if you don't see smoke or fire in the tent, fold it up and come after me. It's time to move. Yes, I guess, yeah, that I guess is basically the story. Okay. So when Jesus comes alive again, it's the same thing, but different. Uh, how do, what do you mean? Jesus says, and William Henry is getting really excited now. He's come around my desk and is standing next to me, both his arms on the arm of my chair, kind of jumping up and down. Jesus says to Mary, don't hold on to me. Yeah, I guess I always thought that was kind of strange. Strange? Preacher, that's not strange. It's like when he leaves the tent. He has places to go. He's got to go. He says to Mary, don't hold on to me. Like, don't just stay here. Don't think of me as right here. I have lots of places to go. It's like when he leaves the tabernacle tent thing, except this time he doesn't come back. What do you mean? No, no, he no need to. Jesus is going everywhere, everywhere, all over everywhere. What is he doing? Preacher, are you kidding Jesus is being alive. He's being alive like no one's ever been alive before. He's like going all over telling everybody everything that they're super alive. The most alive, like more alive than anybody's ever possibly been before. In spite of myself, I ask the nine-year-old, what does it mean to be that alive? What, what is it like, preacher? It's like love, like loving, love, loving, love, 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 and loving, love. You can like do everything and love everybody and be just love and you don't even have to worry about people loving you because Jesus is loving you and you can go around. It's like loving everything. Jesus is going around doing it, doing the love. That's why you can't hold on to him. That's why you can't hold him in one place. And that's why you want to be baptized? I want to be a part of the love. Well, you are William Henry. I look at my watch. It was time to start the service. So many things had not been checked off or double-checked. There certainly would be chaos. Certainly chaos. William Henry started pulling on my arm. Come on, come on. Let's go do the love. Let's go do the love. I got up. He certainly was precarious.